Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Can anybody agree with me on that? We live in a world today where trouble abounds around every corner. In the news, we're constantly hearing about horrific situations, car accidents or shootings, robberies, fires, natural disasters. I mean, it's, it's something that can cause us to, to have fear. If we're honest, there are these things that we can wonder around what's around the bend, what, what can be. And then, then there's other fears. The fear maybe of going to the doctor and finding out that you have cancer or you have another inoperable condition. These kinds of fears can cause every, every pain, every ache, every, every little thing to cause us to wonder sometimes what's going on. Do I have this? What is this going to be? Any little thing that happens, there's a lot of things that can come up that we can concern ourselves with. Not to mention the fact that there can be fear of loss. Losing a job, or maybe my marriage is in trouble, and am I going to lose that relationship? What, what is happening? There's a lot of different fears and dangers that can plague our lives. Today, I want to look at what God's Word says in regard to His promise of protection. We're in a series called Standing on the Promises, and, uh, and today we want to look at the promise of protection. Now, I don't know about you if you have morning routines or not. But we have morning routines in our house. And as the kids are getting ready for school and getting ready to get out the door, one of the things that we do before they leave for school is we gather in the living room together and our kids leave for school at the same time. And we pray. And we pray and we ask the Lord to give them uh, protection for their day. How many of you know school is not always a safe place anymore? We pray for God's protection. We pray for God's protection as they drive to and from school. We pray for God's protection to surround them while they're at school. We, we pray a blessing over them and that God would lead and guide them and protect them from what the enemy would try to do in terms of temptation or uh, would introduce in terms of the, right, the wrong friendships. How I many you know friendships are important, right? So we pray protection around them. In fact, whenever we go on a trip long distance, whenever we're getting ready to travel in the same way, before we leave the driveway, that's one of the things that we pray is for God's protection upon our journey. Anybody else do that? But what's the basis for why we pray this? What's the basis for why we pray for God's protection? Does God really watch over us? Does God really promise in His Word protection? What about the times when it seems like we haven't been protected? What, what about when a car accident does occur or when a diagnosis is given or when we experience a loss and the impact of that loss? Can we really trust the promise of God for His protection? As we look at this this theme today and this promise in God's Word. We're going to dig into two passages today. So if you have a copy of God's Word, you can follow along the app notes, certainly on the PowerPoint. But if you want to follow along in your own Bible, in case you want to mark some things down and know where things are at, we're going to have a passage in the Old Testament and a passage in the New Testament. The Old Testament, we're going to be in Psalm 91. And the New Testament, we're going to be in Acts 27. Psalm 91 and Acts 27. We're going to begin in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, we're going to start right away in verse 1. Today I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation for a lot of the passages today just because I like the simplicity uh, of the way that it's written in this particular version. Psalm chapter 91, starting in verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Now, when you're in trouble, what do you do? What phone number do you call? 911, right? 911. This is, this is a, a wonderful 911 passage. If you're in trouble, this is a great reminder passage of who to call on when you need an emergency prayer line. Psalm 91.1, amazing the way God's Word does that. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, how many have ever heard of actor Jimmy Stewart before? 
Anybody heard of Jimmy Stewart before? He found comfort in Psalm 91. In fact, when he was, uh, when he, in the United States entered World War II in 1941, Stewart enlisted in the Army Air Corps and uh, prepared to go overseas. Now, his father, whose name was Alex, choked up, and, and he tried to, to bid him farewell, but he just couldn't get the words out, and so instead, he wrote him a little note, and he said, listen, I don't want you to read this until after you already are gone. When you're on your way, then you can open it up and you can read it in route. And after being shipped out, Jimmy read the words of his father that he'd been unable to say out loud. And this is what his father wrote to him, my dear Jim boy, soon after you read this letter, you'll be on your way to the worst sort of danger. Jim, I'm banking on the enclosed copy of the 91st Psalm. The thing that takes place of fear and worry is the promise of these words. I'm staking my faith in these words. I feel sure that God will lead you through this mad experience. He went on to say, I can say no more. I only continue to pray. Goodbye, my dear. God bless you and keep you. I love you more than I can tell you, Dad. Jimmy Stewart did return home. He returned home a decorated war hero, unharmed, even though his record included 20 combat missions. And during the height of battle, Stewart said that he learned to lean on the words of the tattered copy of Psalm 91, especially verses 1 and 2 that we had just read, that speak of God as a refuge and fortress. And when he returned home, this is the message he told his father. What a promise for an airman. I placed in my hands the the squadron I would be leading. I placed in his hands, excuse me, the squadron I would be leading. And as the psalmist promised, I felt myself born up, born up. There are promises in God's word. The promise that God would be a shelter, that God would be our protection, that God would be able to to protect us and, and be able to live under the protection and the shadow of the Most High. In fact, the Holcomb Christian Standard Bible says it this way, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. When we look at this psalm, it's a psalm that talks about protection, safety, and security, but there's a condition to this promise. As the psalmist poetically describes, the one who lives or dwells in the shelter or shadow of the Almighty finds protection and rest. In fact, the word dwell here in this passage really is rich in meaning. It means to take up permanent residence in to take up permanent residence in, to live, to, to, to live in, to rest under the shadow. Now, shadows, by definition, are a place of protection or covering. Shadows are a place of protection or covering. When it is very hot outside, which it is not right now, but when the heat is on, right? When the heat is on, what do you do? You seek shade, you seek shelter. You look for a place where there is shade to shade from the direct rays of the sun, from the direct heat of the sun. And and it doesn't necessarily take away the heat, it just diminishes the intensity of the heat. And what is interesting is when you think about the fact of walking in someone's shadow or staying in their shadow, what what is that reflective of? To stay in somebody's shadow, what do you usually have to do? You have to walk closely. You have to walk closely. So what we find in this passage is an invitation by God to be intimate with Him. there's There's an invitation to be close. There's an invitation to draw near. There's an invitation to get into His presence. Learning to dwell or live in closeness, which provides a sense of security for us. It's also a reminder that especially in the tough stuff that we never are walking alone, right? There's the full heat of troubles that can bear down heavy, and sometimes it's just a struggle to trudge on. Pressure and stress in the summer of the the stifling afternoon heat can get to us with the pressures and the stress of this life, and yet God whispers His truth, strong and sure, walk in my shadow, stay close to my side. Walk in my shadow, stay close to my side. Those of you who are weary and heavy laden, what does the Bible say in Matthew chapter? And I will what? Give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. Learn from me, right? Learn from me. Yoke up with me. 
Stay close to me. Walk with me. Stay in my shadow. Walk with me. And, and, and we're going to walk together. Right? Sometimes God shelters us from the pain. Sometimes he walks with us through the pain. Right? Rest and peace. When I went to Tanzania uh, over in East Africa and I had that opportunity, we, we stayed at some places that... Um, we're right out where, 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 where we were not sheltered or protected. There were no big walls. There was no big gates from, from the wild animals. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're in East Africa, all right? We're, we're wide open. So the place, some of the places that we stayed were more of a motel style than a hotel style. In other words, we had a hut, and there was a, a complex of these huts, and then they had the main building. And when you were out of your room, you, in order to get to the main building, you had to walk outside. So when they had a breakfast or a dinner and they were taking care of us in order to get there we had to walk outside now in the evening when the sun would start to go down they gave us this warning there's a Maasai tribe warrior uh, and uh, and and do not leave your room without contacting us so that you can be accompanied by the Maasai tribe warrior do not leave the the place where you're eating to go back to your room without being accompanied by the Maasai tribe warrior and they warned us of this in the evening and at night, and they said, you need to be accompanied. So we, we go, and we go to leave, and, and there is this Maasai tribe warrior. And I got to tell you, that's intimidating enough. And he's got a spear in one hand, and he's got a flashlight in the other hand, and, and we have to stay close to him. We got to stay a little bit behind, but we got to stay close. Why? Because he is shining the flashlight on the path because sometimes there are things that can come out on the path, uh, snakes and other types of things that would be very harmful and dangerous to you if you were not watching for them. Not only on the path, but I watched him and he's shining his light up in the trees. And so he didn't speak our language. So I asked, you know, somebody who did, one of the, tra- why does he shine his light up in the trees? And he says, well, that's, that's because that's where the big cats are at. <laughs> and they can jump down on you. They're looking to pounce on you. <laughs> so, so if we wanted to be protected, we had to stay cl- close to the Maasai tribe warrior. All right, because he knew where the dangers were, the dangers that we couldn't see, the things that we couldn't see. I want to let you know something. When you stay close to the shelter and the shadow of the Almighty, he is watching out for you, even things you're not aware of. Dangers and things that you're not aware of. And so the Lord invites us to dwell close to him in the shadow where we can find security and protection from the dangers we can't see. Now, as we proceed through, there's some tremendous promises of protection in Psalm 91. Look at, look at verse 3. We're going to read verses 3 to 7. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. There's that word, promises. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease and the stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. There, there are various things in the span of these verses, various things about the terrors that this life can bring, things that the Lord wants to protect us from, traps that the enemy may have spread up and put, a, put that we may not even be aware of, traps that he has set up, deadly diseases, terror and attacks and arrows that fly by na- day and terrors that, that come at night. And these might be examples that we have modern day, might be a drunken driver or a contagious virus or a, a heart attack. A drive-by shooting, a domestic violence, an unpredictable disaster. And the summary of these verses is the suddenness of attacks. How many know that the trouble in this world, there can be a suddenness that can come, and you don't expect it in the attacks. And yet we're given the picture that as we dwell in the shadow of the Lord, like a mother bird who, who takes her wings and her feathers and shields her babies from trouble, or the faithful promises of the Lord are, are described as that kind of armor or protection. We, we see also in here that, that, it, it, that, that there's, a, there's an armor of the Lord. The armor of protection are His faithful promises. Now, as I, I read this, I ask the question, can I put the full weight of my trust in these promises. Can I, can I really put the full weight of trust 
in these promises. I can't help but wrestle with the truth that believers are not immune from trouble. Believers are not immune from these things. And, and so is this passage saying that if we, that, that the Lord and the promise of the Lord is that we will always be protected and these diseases will never come and we won't have any of this. We won't have to have any of this. Certainly there are some that take their theology up in this, but I don't necessarily think that that's, that's the case. I don't necessarily think that that is biblical. In fact, uh, if we read further on what we see in Psalm 91, verses 14 to 16, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer, and I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them salvation. Now, what strikes me in these verses, and I like to just kind of proceed backwards a little bit, is the psalmist writes about rescue and honor and the reward of long life and salvation. The whole idea of long life and salvation and honor, we really have to take a look at these passages, not from a temporal standpoint, but from an eternal standpoint. God is more than able and sometimes does protect us from the dangers of this world. And there are certainly some things that we can be protected from. But sometimes we have to take a look at the eternal perspective and the fact that there is nothing in this life that can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. But there is nothing, neither life nor death, right? Angels nor demons, right? Neither height nor depth. Or any other thing. There, there is an, there's an eternal part of this passage of rescue. That salvation and long life are, re, are referring to an eternity that's spent in the very presence of the Lord. And the verse before it indicates the Lord will be with us in trouble. The protection that is promised is not an absence of trouble. But it's, uh, it's protection while we're in the midst of trouble. And it follows more in line with other passages in, in the scriptures, other illustrations. Isaiah 43, 2 comes to mind. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, shall, and, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. When I think about those passages and walking through the water, I think about when God parted the waters of the Red Sea for the Israelites to march across and then destroy their enemies that were following them. That God walks you through, walks you through. When I, when I think about not being burned in the fire, I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stood before Nebuchadnezzar and they would not bow down to that idol that he had, he had made, that image he had made of himself and wanted everybody in the kingdom to bow down. And they said, no, we will only bow down to the Lord God, Jehovah. And he said, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance or I'm going to throw you in that fire. And they say, listen, our Lord is able, our God is able to deliver. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Listen, that's the kind of protection. Our God is able to deliver, but sometimes he doesn't. But what we see with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they ended up in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he goes, whoa, I think I see four. Didn't we throw three in there? One of them looks like the Son of God. That's an instance of Jesus in the Old Testament. One of them looks like the Son of God. Yeah. Four in the fire. He pulls them out. He goes, get out here. After they went to make it hotter and his own soldiers died just at the very heat. And there they are. And they come out. And they don't even, none of their garments or sins, they don't even smell like smoke. Why? Was it the absence of fire? Did they not have to go through the fire? No, he was with them in the fire. He was with them in the fire. Sometimes the Lord protects us from the fire. Sometimes the Lord protects us while we're in the fire. While we're in the fire. There's an illustration of this. That's why I want us to flip now to Acts chapter 27. Because there's, there's an illustration, an example of the Lord's protection in trouble that I want to look at in Acts chapter 27. I, wanna, I want us to dig into this. Paul had been falsely accused by some of the Jewish religious leaders of associating with Gentiles and even, even leading them into the temple where he was defiling the temple. Now, this, this didn't happen. 
He, he didn't, but they, there were some who accused. There were some that were so upset with Paul that he had been taking the message of the gospel in Jesus Christ and salvation to the Gentiles. And it wasn't so much salvation to the Gentiles, but the very fact that he was not requiring the Gentiles to become Jewish first. He didn't require them to, to have circumcision. He didn't require them to follow all of the eating rituals and all of those kind of things that good Jewish people did. And Paul, you are preaching heresy and we don't like it. And so there was great persecution that came against Paul. He was actually a mob, and then he was arrested. And after he was arrested, he was awaiting to stand trial, and he would appear before certain people who could, who could have let him go, and they didn't, political reasons and other things. He just kept being in jail. And finally, in one of his appeals, he says, listen, I'm a Roman citizen, and I appeal to Caesar. And they said, well, to Caesar you will go. And so then he has to have a journey to get to Rome where Caesar is. And Acts 27 is a part of that journey because in order to get there, he had to board a ship. And, and, and so he was put under the care of a Roman centurion who was over 100 uh, soldiers. And he was put under his care. And he says, listen, there's a group of prisoners. Paul is one of them. You got to take them to Rome. And so they board this ship and they're going to get on their way to Rome. And so Paul is there. And as Paul is being loaded onto the ship, being transported, they begin to sail. And as they sail, they're sailing in the fall, and the wind is kind of against them, and they're seeing some signs that if they continue down this path, there is trouble ahead. And so Paul alerts them. Listen, here it is, Acts 27. We're going to jump all the way to verse 7. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Nindus. But the wind was against us. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Sol Salomone. I don't know how you say that. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty, finally arrived at Fairhavens. That's a much easier one to say. Near the town of Lycia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. So what's happening is the wind's against them. The timing of the sailing is not really, not, not a good time to sail. It's, it's not a safe time to sail. The wind's against them. It's been taking them extra long. And Luke indicates here that, that there's some problems. And Paul's concerned about these dangers. And so he gathers around the ship's officers and the centurion who's in charge of him on the boat. And this is what he says, verse 10. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck. Loss of cargo, danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. So what do you do when you find yourself in the midst of a situation where there is danger ahead and yet you're not the one able to make the decisions? You don't have the ultimate call. You can see the danger, you can see the warning, and you're giving the warning, and yet you know that if they persist in this area, there is great danger ahead, and you're going to get caught up in it. I think there are a lot of situations in our world today, in our families today, in our workplaces today, in our lives today, where there are some times where we can get caught up in trouble that is not of our own making. We're just not in charge. We really can't do it, but we're affected by it. That's where Paul is at. So where do we see the promise of the Lord's protection when we can see danger, when, we, when, when the danger that comes is not a result of some uh, decision in our lives to, to not follow what the Lord, where the Lord is saying, no, don't go, the warnings, when we don't follow the warnings. And we're going to talk about following the warnings because we're going to see that in this passage too. So Paul's under the shadow of the Almighty, but he's not in the position to make the decision. So Paul gets outvoted. I want to just share with you some observations when it comes to the promise of protection. These are just observations. Number one, pay attention to the advice of people who are walking close to Jesus. Here, here's protection of the Lord. If, 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 if somebody that's walking close to Jesus says to you, you know what, the way that you're walking, the decisions you're making, the way that you're living is dangerous. There is, there is danger ahead if you keep doing this. Listen to them. Listen to them. A lot of trouble could have been avoided by this Julius, this Roman centurion, had he listened to Paul, as opposed to listening to the captain of the ship and the noise of the crowd. Last week, we looked at the promise in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'll just say it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. See, in this situation, the officer in charge, the captain and the crew relied more on their own understanding. They were already feeling late. Isn't that when we get ourselves in trouble? They were feeling late, and they felt like it was better. Despite the warnings, we're going to proceed forward. You know what? We're already late. We're already behind. We've, already, we've just got to keep pressing ahead. We've just got to get moving ahead. We're just going to ignore. We're going to ignore all of the signs because we are late, and we just need to keep going. Let me tell you something. Do not lean on your own understanding. The protection of the Lord and coming under the shadow of the Almighty is to listen to the counsel of the Lord, but sometimes listening to the counsel of the Lord is listening to those that are close to Jesus, those that have wisdom, those that are not, that are not necessarily driven by the same things that are driving you or affected by the same things that are affecting you, that have an outside perspective that can take a look at the entire thing and say, whoa, hold on, that's not what God's word says. Hold on, there is warning. Hold on, there is trouble ahead. There are some of us that are in trouble because we don't listen to wisdom. God has things in place. Children. Obey your parents. That is one of the Ten Commandments. Why is that in place? To make your life miserable? Oh, I don't want to listen to my parents. It doesn't. And this does not say Christian parents, by the way. Right? Honor your father and mother. That's what the Ten Commandments say. Nobody email me. It doesn't say obey. It says honor. All right? But part of honor is obedience, particularly when you're younger and you don't know enough. Your parents have wisdom you don't. They have wisdom you don't. They see things you don't. If they pull you aside and they give you a warning, it's because they love you. And they see danger ahead for you. All the parents are like shaking their heads. Because how many of you parents did not listen to your parents and you ended up with trouble that you shouldn't have ended up in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They know because they've been there. Well, let me make my own mistakes. Why? There are some things that, that can be life-altering that you don't need to go through. There, there are authority structures. I know we don't like this whole thing of authority because we are democratic and we want our voice heard and we are independent and we don't want to listen to anybody. But I'm going to tell you that if you don't listen to wise counsel, if you don't listen to godly counsel, you will fall out of the protection of the Lord because part of coming under the shadow of His, of the Almighty, is coming under the protection of the order of authority that He has put in our lives. But, 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 no buts. I don't want to hear the buts. We often experience troubles and storms because we ignore the warning signs and we ignore the godly counsel. Listen to what Proverbs 1, 29 to 31. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. Somebody needs to tape that somewhere. Right? We come out from under the protection of the Lord when we, when we stop listening to his counsel. And as this, we continue the story, we see the fruit of their decision. Acts 27, starting in verse 14, but the weather changed abruptly. Oh, but I didn't see that coming. Oh, I thought I could do that. The weather changed abruptly. Let me tell you something. There is not always time to repent. There's not always time to change. Sometimes if you proceed forward, out of nowhere comes a storm that you didn't see coming, but everybody else did. That's good preaching right there. A wind of a typhoon strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. We were close to the coast. Now we're out to sea. Uh-oh, what are we going to do? We're so far away from where we wanted to be. Why? Because we didn't listen. Sailors couldn't turn the ship around into the wind, so they gave it to the left. Excuse me. So they gave up, and they let it, uh, let it run before the gale. 
We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kata, where the great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound the ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it, and they were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Syracuse off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Here's what happens when you don't listen all of a sudden it gets more difficult and you, you are battling against things you never had to battle against. There are things you shouldn't be battling against that you're battling against. There is wind that is against you and it is pushing you and pushing you and making it difficult for you, making great difficulty. They hoisted up the lifeboat. Everything is more difficult when we don't follow what the Lord says. It's much more difficult. Why is it so hard? Are we following the counsel of the Lord? Look at, what, look at this. The sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. What are they doing? They're just doing everything they can to keep things together. That's, that's what we lose out on. That's the promise of protection. Is that, that we, can keep our, we, can, we can stay under the shadow of the Almighty. And there are things that can come in our lives that don't make it so difficult. Where we're not just doing everything we can do to try to keep it together. The warnings were present, but they pressed ahead. And there are some of you right now, you're in, you're in a storm. And the problem has occurred because you've ignored the counsel of God. You ignore the counsel of his word. You've ignored the wisdom of, 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 of those who are close to Jesus, those who are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You ignore the warning signs, and as a result, you're in opposition. The opposition is fierce. You feel like things are coming apart. You're doing everything you can to hold it together. Is there hope? There is hope. We'll see it in this. There's hope. There's hope. They begin to throw over the tackle. They're doing everything they can to lighten the load. They are, they're experiencing loss. Acts 27, 20, the terrible storm raged on for many days, blotting out the sun, the stars, until at last all hope was gone. The captain gave up hope. The crew gave up hope. They were exhausted, and the next verse tells us they hadn't eaten in days. Their strength was gone, and hope was gone. But what about Paul? What about Paul? Paul didn't make this decision. What about, what about staying under the shadow of the Almighty? Certainly Paul was following the Lord. Paul saw the warnings. Paul just wasn't in, in control. What about Paul? What about Paul who's affected by the storm as well? What about Paul who's on the ship that is being tossed back and forth? Well, number two, observation, God's protection is available for those who call upon him. God's protection is available for those who call upon him. When the captain and the crew had done all they could, and had given up hope, Paul had not. He gathered the captain, he gathered the crew, he gathered that centurion Julius together, and he delivers to them a message of hope. Listen to it, Acts 27, verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, man, you should have listened to me in the first place. I told you so. <laughs> Sorry, that's just what it says. <laughs> he would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives. Take courage, all right? We've lost a lot, but you don't have to lose your life. We've lost a lot, but you don't have to lose your life. Here, even though the ship's going to go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God, in his goodness, has granted safely to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. I believe God, it will be just as he said. Well, everybody else is fretting. Now, we don't, it doesn't tell us that Paul was praying. An angel showed up. I'm, I'm going to guarantee you, if you're on a ship like that in the middle of a storm, you're praying. If you're Paul, you're praying, all right? You are staying close under the protection of the Almighty. You are staying in his protection. You are calling on the name of the Lord. In fact, Psalm 91, 15 says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. This is where Paul is at in the middle of the storm, a decision he did not make, but he's caught up in. And what does Paul do? Paul sets to praying. He's going to say, I need to hear a message from the Lord. I need to be reassured. God, what are you doing? God, I need your protective hand. God, I need to hear from you. And God goes and he sends an angel to give a message to Paul and says, listen, 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 listen. I've got your hand. You're in the middle of this storm. You didn't do anything about it. But I got a message for you. You will stand trial. Here's what you need to deliver. You need to deliver hope because I'm not only going to save your life, but I will save the life of everybody on this ship if they will start listening to me. 
It wasn't just Paul's life, but Paul, Paul's obedience, Paul being in the midst of the storm and yet being under the protection of the Almighty, Paul himself is leading everybody else to be able to see what it is that they need to be looking at, and that is hope and belief and faith in Jesus. He says, take courage, I believe God. Not I believe in God, I believe God. In other words, I'm taking him at his word. I'm taking him at his word. Why? Because later in, in the Corinthians, when he would write to the Corinthians from that Roman jail where he was, he was under house arrest and he's writing those epistles and he's writing those things out, he says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You can take God at his word. You can take God at his word. The encouragement of protection was for those. And if you're going through a storm, listen, I want to reassure you that God, his promises still stand. You can have hope in his promises. Observation number three, when it comes to the promise of protection, God's protection would come by following his direction and letting go of the things they were holding on to for security. Now listen, this is really important. Similar to the counsel they ignored earlier, this time it was a direct word, the Lord, that they were given. But it was countered to their own human reasoning, and it would require them letting go of what they were holding on to for security. Look at Acts chapter 27, verse 26. It records the last part. This is the last part of Paul's instructions. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Shipwrecked. What's the one thing they're holding together? They're trying to hold together the ship. Why? Because the ship to them represents safety and represents the very thing that's going to get them where they want to go. But sometimes that's what we're holding on to that's keeping us in the storm. When we keep holding on to the very thing that he says, listen, don't hold on to that. You got to let that go. You got to let that go. Sometimes it's going to lead to loss. Sometimes you've got to let go. Sometimes you're going to experience loss in order for you to experience what God desires. We're going to see further proof as we continue. Fourteen nights they began to sense they were approaching land. So here they are. God, God gives this message to Paul. Fourteen nights. Four, that's two weeks. Fourteen, fourteen nights. Fourteen nights of being tossed along. Fourteen nights of not seeing the moon. Fourteen nights of not seeing any hope. But we're taking God at his word. But they're starting to take sound depths after fourteen nights. And they begin to realize, boy, we're getting close to land. Man, we're taking these depths. And man, the depth chart that's happening here, we're, we're, we're getting awfully close. We're, man, I, I know if I'm a sailor, man, what's going to happen? I'm going to run aground, right? Here, Acts 27, 29, at this rate, they were afraid that we'd soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and they prayed for daylight. Fear of the unknown will cause us to reach for something to anchor our lives. They're afraid of running aground, losing the ship. So they throw out anchors. They're, they're, God had promised protection, but his direction is they'd run aground on an island. They, they find themselves getting close, but yet they're holding back because there's a fear of the unknown. And so in the midst of the storm, there's often a fear of the unknown. And what do we do? We throw out the anchors and we say, I'm staying put. I'm going to pray. I'm staying put. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to hang out right here. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm just going to stay put. Additionally, Acts 27.30 says, And the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as they were going to put out the anchors from the ship. What are they trying to escape, right? What are they trusting in? They're trusting in the lifeboat. Man, I'm leaving this boat. I'm going to get in another boat, right? I'm getting in another boat. Now, that wasn't the instructions that Paul gave, but I need a lifeboat. There is something else that i got to hang on to. Rather than, than, than trusting the Lord's promise, they were trusting in their own wisdom and in the lifeboat. And Paul warns again. Verse 31, but Paul said to the commanding officer and soldiers, You're gonna, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the rope to the lifeboat and they let it drift away. I want you to see something here. The commanding officer was not willing to listen to Paul before, but he's listening to him now. All right? For some of you that see people that are heading into danger and you've been warning and warning and warning and warning and warning. Listen, they were not ready to listen until life was coming apart. Then they were willing to listen. Some of you need to stop rescuing. Let that sit for a minute. You are not God. You are not the Holy Spirit. We have a desire that we want to be the ones to protect, but we've got to let people sometimes realize that God's the only one that can protect. 
They, they weren't willing to listen to counsel until life was coming apart. Then he was willing to listen. Only when life was coming apart do sometimes people listen. They don't. So what they do, they cut loose the lifeboat. <laughs> the very thing they were hanging on to for, for protection and security. Protection, the security blanket of sorts. Well, we got the lifeboat. Well, we got the lifeboat. Well, we got this. Well, we got this. Well, we got this. Well, we got this. Let me ask you a question. What is your lifeboat? What's your lifeboat? If God doesn't protect or things aren't working out the way you think he should, what's your lifeboat? What's the thing that you're hanging on to that you're, that, that's my lifeboat. That's what I'm going to jump into. If this, I'm going to trust God. We're kind of, we've been 14 nights here. I'm trying, that's what Paul's word says. We're trusting God, but oh boy, things are looking like they're about to get a lot worse and I got a lifeboat. I'm going to stop trusting God and I'm going to get in this lifeboat over here. What's your lifeboat? What's your lifeboat? The protection is not always in the absence of trouble, but sometimes in the midst of the trouble, before the deliverance is about to happen, before God's miracle, before what God is about to do happens, we have a lifeboat and we're jumping in the lifeboat and then we're back out at sea and we're in the same trouble we were in or worse. Because now rather than a big boat, we got a little boat. So my question is, what's your little boat? What's the little thing that is your trust? That if your trust in God doesn't happen, he doesn't do it in your timing and doesn't do it the way you think and things still seem to come apart and danger still seems to come. What are you hanging on to that you're going to get ready to jump ship in? What's your lifeboat? See, when it comes to the trust in his protection, we've got to trust it to the end. Trust it to the end. So here's what happens, Acts 27, 35, they cut the lifeboat. And this is what happens. Paul goes, we got to eat. Yeah, that's just, that's just, that's Pentecostal right there. <laughs> then he took some bread and he gave thanks to God before them all. And he broke off a piece and he ate it. What does that remind you of? Communion. Paul says, listen, we got to get close to Jesus. Listen, we got to get accused. We got we to commune with Jesus. Come on, let's get close to Jesus. Come on, we're in the midst of the storm. I want to invite you. Come on, let's get close to Jesus. Let's get under the shelter of the Almighty. Let's get under His wings. Come on, let's get under Him. Let's cut loose the lifeboats. Let's cut loose the lifeboats and let's get under the shelter. Let's commune with Him. Let's get close to him. Let's get close to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let's get close to Jesus. And everyone, look what happened. Everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. And after eating, listen to what, listen to what the crew does. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing cargo of wheat overboard. In other words, they said, man, we've communed with Jesus. We can get rid of more stuff. As you get, rid of, as you get close to Jesus, you find that there's a lot of stuff you don't need. As you get close to Jesus, there's a lot of things that you find in your life you don't need. Things you've been hanging on to for security and protection. Oh, I may need to eat that later. I need a little bit more. I need to be able to have that a little bit more. And then when you get close to Jesus, you go, I don't need that. I just need Jesus. I don't need that. I just need Jesus. So they lighten the ship. They lighten the things that are weighing them down. <laughs> Take that. Come on. What's weighing you down? And it says, when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay and a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors. What was holding them back? What were they hanging on to? What were the, what was, they cut off the anchors. What's holding us down? What's weighing us down? What's holding us down? We can let go because now we can see. Now we see the direction. Now we know where we need to go. The, it, it is lightened up and now we can see. We've communed in the presence of Jesus. We've cut all those things that we've been trusting in and now we're trusting in Jesus. And when we begin to trust in Jesus, the light of Jesus begins to direct our steps and we go, oh, there it is. That's where I I need to go. Oh, there it is. We can go. I don't mind losing the ship now. I don't mind running aground now because now I can see where he's leading because I've communed with Jesus. It's not always protection from the storm, but in the midst of the storm, you got to get under the shadow of the Almighty. You got to get in his presence. You got to be close to Jesus. You got to commune with Jesus because Jesus is the one that's going to show you the way. This is the way. This is the way. And it's amazing how they let go of their plan and they let go of their security and they see where they need to go. 
even though it means loss, even though it means loss, they're ready now to follow Jesus. There are some things you got to let go. There are some things that need to be lost. There are some things that you got to let go in order to get where Jesus has you to be. In order for Jesus, where he needs you to go. They had to cut the anchors that were holding them back. Worship team, come on up. So in this way, the scriptures say at the end, everyone, verse 27, or not 27, Acts 27, the last verse. In this way, everyone reached land safely. There's a little thing in there where some people wanted to kill Paul and they protected him and all that. Because God's going to protect you even from the evil people that want to do you harm. All right? God will protect. God, God's got a way. God had protected all on board because they, even though they hadn't listened to his counsel in the beginning, they did now. Now, God's promise of protection are all those who dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, listen, Psalm 91, I want to go back, verses 9 to 11. I skipped over them for this moment, all right? This is the verse. This is the verse. This is the verse. This is the verse. Hang on to this. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. There is victory in Jesus. He already conquered death in the grave. He, he conquered the one thing that people fear most, death. The second thing is public speaking. But if he conquered death, what more, what more can the enemy do? What more can happen to you? What more do you have to fear? Jesus already did it. He is the conqueror. So we learn from God's promise of protection that it is one that we can stand on. Like Paul, if we're in the storm, it didn't result in a decision of his own. But God protected him and God led him through and eventually got him to Rome. Why? Because God is in charge. God is in control and we can trust him. If you're like the commander or the captain of the crew, if you're in a storm by your own making, you have ignored godly counsel, you've ignored God's word, you've been doing things that have created a problem in your life, a storm in your life, and you're doing everything you can to hold it together, listen, listen, it's not too late. It's not too late. It's time to come under the shelter of his wings. It's time to get in his presence. It's time to repent and say, you know what? I've hung on to this lifeboat. I've put down these anchors. I, I've been hanging on to this for security. And Jesus, I need to get in your presence and I need to come close to you. It's time to come close. It's time to come close. It's time to come close to Jesus. You might experience some loss, but I'm going to tell you, the loss you experience is nothing compared to the greater worth that you will find in knowing Jesus Christ. You will find that he will lead you through. It may not be immediately. For them, 14 days from when the word came, there were 14 days, 14 nights. I mean, that, it was just seemed like unending, tossing. Did you really hear, Paul? Did you really hear? But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Stay close. Stay close. Stay close because he will lead you through. He will lead you through. But my question is, what are you hanging on to for security? What are you hanging on to as your go-to? It's time to cut it loose. It's time to let it go. Are you struggling with God's plan for protection? Do you need to repent for going in your own way and not trusting the Lord? Is there something you need to cut loose that's leading you away from the Lord's protective hand? Finally, is it time to run back under the shelter of the Most High? Let's bow our heads. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, right now, just come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Search our hearts. Search our hearts. There are some of you, you're in the midst of a storm. Some of it might be by your own making. Some of it might be because of others' decisions that you didn't have any control over, but you're experiencing it. Isn't it time to come under the shelter of the Almighty? Isn't it time to come under the shelter of the Almighty? Isn't it time to draw near to the Lord today? If there's something you need to cut loose, I want you just to confess that. Lord, I'm cutting this loose. Lord, I got to let this go.
Jesus, I'm letting this go. I'm letting this go. I'm coming. I'm running to you. I'm letting this go. I'm letting this go. You're the shelter. I'm letting this go. I want to hide in your shadow. Some of you need to come close to Jesus. Maybe you've never come close to Jesus. Maybe this is your moment. The Lord is speaking to you. You've never surrendered your life. Maybe the anchor is your life, your life, and you say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to repent. I need his forgiveness for going my own way. I need to repent today. I need to run to Jesus. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I need to run to Jesus. I need to run to Jesus. Yeah, I'm running to Jesus. I'm running to Jesus. There's some of you, you say, I'm in a storm. I'm in a storm. I'm in a storm, and I'm running to Jesus right now. I'm running to Jesus in the storm. I'm running to Jesus in the storm. Will you slip up your hand, Pastor? Will you pray for me? I'm in the storm, and I'm running to Jesus. I'm running to Jesus. I'm in the storm. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, right now, we just come before you, Lord. We ask you, Father, to show us. Show us those things we need to cut loose. Father, we draw near. We need your presence, Lord. We need your presence, Lord. We draw near to you, Lord. Father, we need to be close to you. So we come near, Jesus. We come near to get close to you under the shelter, under the shadow of your, of the Almighty, under your wings, sheltering under your wings, close by your side, drawing near in intimacy with you, Lord. We draw near, Lord, we draw near. Jesus, I repent today, if that's you, I repent today of decisions that I've made to come out from under your counsel. I repent today, Lord, to come out of the things I've done that have got me out of your word and and away from what your plan is, that I've tried to go my own way and it's gotten me in trouble. I repent today, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, I'm running back to you. I'm running back to you. I need you in the midst of this storm. I need you, Lord, to restore. I need you to make right. Lord, let me be okay with surrender, to let go of the things that I'm afraid to lose. I let go. I let go. I let go. I let go today. Come on, let it go. What is it you're hanging on to? Let it go. Surrender today to trust him, to follow his direction, to follow his lead. What are you hanging on to? Let it go today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We let go today. Come on, stand, and I just want to invite, if you need to just come to the altar, you might just need to run to the altar. I know it's past 12 o'clock noon. Who cares about the clock? If you got to go, you can leave. If you want to draw near to Jesus, come on, let's just fill these altars. Fill these altars. Come on, fill these altars today. Come on, let's draw near to Jesus as we just sing. We're just going to worship the Lord. Again, as you need to leave, you just leave. We're just going to pray. If you want prayer, you're in a storm. You want prayer, will you come and get prayer today? Or you want to come and just do business with God? There are things you got to let go. Just do business with God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah, Lord. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.